Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey, I'm Autumn Calabrese, and I have a question for you. How do you do life? I might be a superstar trainer, but I'm also a boy mom, sister, daughter, friend, and entrepreneur. You might think my life is all working out and cooking healthy, delicious recipes, but trust me, there is so much more to it, and this is it. This is all of those real moments you talk about with your family and friends. Ever wonder what else life has to offer? Bring your curious appetite and let's do life together. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and PodcastOne.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, support those that support us. We can keep doing this damn thing. And also, don't forget to check out some of the other stuff. Uh, be careful with YouTube. They've uh, been occasionally putting me in the doghouse, so please do go over to either drdrew.locals.com or maybe even Twitch Dr. Drew, at Dr. Drew TV or even Facebook at Dr. Drew there or Periscope. That's probably, Periscope is probably the best place uh, at Dr. Drew. Uh, today, I'm pleased to welcome Steve Kirsch. He has a fascinating story. Uh, he, I'm going to have him tell his whole story and what he's working on right now, but essentially, Steve took an interest in the COVID outbreak, being stuck at home, sheltering in place in the state of California like we all were. And began to look around to see what he could do to help change the COVID outbreak. Steve, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dr. Drew. Am I characterizing that about right? You were stuck at home going, what can I do? Yeah. You know, my my wife was making mess and she said, so what are you going to do? <laughs> and I said, I, I, well, I like to use the internet and I've been funding medical researchers for the past 20 years. So contacted them and asked them, hey, you know, what What do you think I could do to help? And so so talk, let's they, hear about that, Baxter. So yeah. you, you've you been working in biotech or? Uh, uh, no, I've been, uh, uh, I'm a high-tech entrepreneur. So I did things like invented the optical mouse, invented one of the first search engines, InfoSeq, and created FrameMaker, which is desktop publishing software. So a mix of hardware and software products. And, what were, you, and what were you doing for, for medical people? Uh, trying to make a difference in terms of dis- uh, diseases. So we would fund researchers in glaucoma and diabetes, Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia, which I happen to have, um, and, and other diseases. So just to try to make a difference. So Waldenstrom's is rare. So that's crazy. How long you had that it for? Is. Yes. Most, most people don't have never heard of it. Yeah. They, they've heard of myeloma and things like that, but Waldenstrom's right. a very different same zone, but very different disease. Yes. Yeah. It's a very, about, I think it's like 4,000 people a year are diagnosed with it. So interesting, uh, but it's well known. It's been around for a long time and there are uh, really good uh, treatments. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm on Ibrutinib uh, for it and works uh, quite well in keeping the cancer under control. Right. Good for you. Okay. So you've been doing that kind of work and you started reaching out to some of those folks that you have worked with to ask about what can be done for COVID. Yeah. And they basically said three things. You always treat a virus early. So, you know, virus is kind of like a fire and you always want to put the fire out early. And they said that uh, using repurposed drugs is the fastest and quickest way to end the pandemic. And, and I said, well, that makes sense. And then they said, well, you know, the most promising drugs and the greatest scientists are not being funded. And I said, well, that sounds like a market opportunity, huh. you know, because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm always looking for market opportunities. What was, what was the issue? What, were they, what was in their head when they said that? What, what did they have in mind? What well, was the most it, promising drugs? Oh, the most promising drug was clearly Camistat and still is today. 
because it's a Tempris 2 inhibitor and the virus needs, needs Tempris 2 in order to replicate. So if you can cut it off, you, you basically keep the virus from replicating. Now there's a second drug uh, that we're looking at. Uh, it's from Selva called uh, SLV213. And that uh, is complementary. So between the two drugs, between that uh, Tempris 2 and, and uh, that Salva uh, drug, uh, you can basically keep the virus from replicating very early on. So that's actually the most promising and most obvious thing. And yet nobody was funding the trials. And it so is- I wrote the first check for the trial in Denmark and wrote the first check for the, the trial at Yale. And is this this is the stuff that there was a New England Journal a couple weeks ago, right? Is that that study? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I uh, could it's, be. It's, it's, these are oral. It's an oral medicine. It's an oral medicine. Yeah. This is for pancreatitis. And why are we delaying on, on getting on with? This? Uh, they they they're just like super slow enrollment. Um, it's just being done out of Yale, and it's an in person study. So you have to come into the clinic, oh. and you know, and look, people are really bad on these remote trials where you can recruit from anywhere in the country. And on a remote trial, you're doing really well if you're recruiting, you're enrolling 100 or sorry, 10 a day. Mm. That's considered like, wow, that's off the charts. So this Camistat trial has been around for months and it's enrolled like 40 patients. It's ridiculous. And it gets, there's no um, press visibility, no media visibility for it at all. You'll never hear about it on CNN. You'll never hear Tony Fauci saying, hey, we've got to get people enrolled in these outpatient trials because that's the way we're going to make progress here. And so it's tragic because that drug has been sitting on the shelf and it's probably a killer drug. And everyone I've given it to has turned around in uh, a few days. And I have given it to one of the world's richest people who got COVID and he turned around in a few days. When you say well. you've given it, do you, you give it to their physicians? Um, no, I give it to them. You want us, do you want us to cut that out, or do you want to say that publicly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, they, it's up to them as to whether they can um, what they do with they, it. They they take it. I'm just right. supplying it. It's very interesting. I mean, they're 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 getting medical advice on their own to to take it. So we one, and we know it's safe. One of the phenomenon in this outbreak that has just absolutely just bewildered me is the behavior of my peers, particularly internal medicine peers. Uh, surgeons, when I talk to them about the current literature and what's available and what the studies are being done, they immediately glom on and start improvising and want to apply things and want to do stuff. My internal medicine peers just glaze over and literally like dissociate. Like they don't want to talk about it. Like they get rigidly upset and are waiting for some orthodoxy to arrive that mandates certain interventions rather than doing what they're trained to do, which is use their judgment and try to create best interventions given what you're understanding of the literature for a given case. What do you think is happening here? Uh, well, I think they're basically, uh, what, what you're saying is absolutely uh, correct. And uh, the problem is that uh, doctors who are internists basically uh, and I think I gave you the list of, uh, from, from Jeffrey Klausner. I said, you know, why is this happening? And he, he wrote me back a list saying, uh, docs are sheep. Uh, docs don't like to take risks. Docs aren't cowboys. Docs don't like to be sued. Docs don't like to go outside the reservation. Um, they I'll, don't like I'll, to try I'll, to I'll read it. I'll read it. You ready? Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, docs are sheep. Docs are risk averse. Doctors don't like to take chances, don't like to be experimental, don't like to be thought of as cowboys. Docs are afraid of legal consequences. Docs are unable to change their behavior when circumstances change, which to me is bad training and, and bad, uh, just bad training. I mean, that, right. that's a and, lack of and critical that, thought. And that's just the way. And, and it's funny because, you know, that's coming from a doctor yeah. <laughs> characterizing yeah. his peers. Yeah. And when I saw that, I said, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly right. Well, I and, I, I know yeah. that generally we are. It's difficult for us to pick up a standard of practice, a standard of care. You know, once we have a certain routine of practice, to alter that routine takes a lot of work. That's why drug companies spend a lot of money doing that. They try to they're trying to get us to change our routine behaviors, and they don't change easily. But but now. I have learned that a lot of doctors are hired by large hospital groups, large physician groups, corporations, and they're getting direction from above that they'll lose their job if they do anything uh, improvisational. Yeah. Um, so it's true for both uh, large academic hospitals, so in hospital and, um, you know, any, any place where there's any kind of uh, supervision. Yeah. of the physician as right. opposed to a physician on his own, right. you are going to see uh, some of that. So I try to get people to try fluvoxamine on an inpatient basis in consultation with the, with the patients. And it was like, no, they won't allow us to even, you know, deviate from the protocol. Right. And if you don't right. deviate from the protocol, then 90,000 people are guaranteed to die over the next three weeks kind of thing, you know, yeah. the CDC projections. Yeah. And, It'll and a, be a little and, less and a, than that. but And a lot of the protocol for people going from moderate to severe is do nothing, which is anathema to what you said, which is hit it hard, hit it early. Yes. So the same thing that uh, David Ho was famous for in AIDS, you know, hit it fast, hit it hard, uh, that applies also to – really any kind of virus. It's not just yeah. unique to HIV. Yeah. It's, you want to you stamp out the fire as soon as it happens. And fluvoxamine is, the easiest way to think about fluvoxamine is like a bucket of water. So, so how did you come upon fluvoxamine? Why did, why did that one sort of raise to a level of uh, interest for you? So we funded 14 projects out of 60 grant applications that came into to the website. So when I started this COVID early treatment fund, uh, we opened it up. We said, we got $5 million and we want to give out, out money to the best science. So we got 60 grant applications. We funded 14 of them. And one of the very first ones that we funded was this uh, drug fluvoxamine. And I was, uh, the, the scientific advisory board was like scratching their heads on it, <laughs> but they were only asking for like $65,000 to complete the trial. And we said, you know, that's not a lot of money. You know, most of these trials are like half a million dollars or more. Easy, yeah. And so we said, yeah, $65,000 and, you know, it's a good institution and, and it's a sort of a plausible mechanism of action. Which is, uh, for which it. is so the, the science is plausible. So, so let's so, stop at, let's so, stop talking about that for a second. So yeah. fluvoxamine is a medicine that is one of the, probably the latest, probably the last SSRI to come on the, no, I guess we have Cymbalta came on after that, but it's the last pure SSRI that came on the market. And it was used not really as an antidepressant so much as a medicine for obsessive compulsive disorder. That's originally how it was sort of marketed. Uh, how yeah, did there was you, the FDA approved labeling right. for it. I mean, it's, I, I was sort of I was I was working in a psychiatric hospital when it arrived, and there was a lot of um, they weren't super hot on it. It would, it would show up. Patients would take it here and there. They, they didn't get a it didn't it didn't really fall into a common use pattern as I saw it at least in psychiatry. 
But I had no awareness of these anti-inflammatory properties. How did you come upon that mechanism? Well, I didn't. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, actually. It was in 2019. There was a paper in February uh, 2019 out of the University of Virginia. And they noticed that for sepsis, that fluvoxamine, because it activated the sigma-1 receptor, was effectively a kill switch on inflammation. And so... So, so in other words, these they, were patients already on fluvoxamine who became septic, something like that? No, it was <laughs> like mice, that they treated mice, oh, and okay. these mice okay. had knockout uh, genes Got and it. so forth. And, yeah. and it was this, like, test in mice, and they yeah. found out that they could uh, basically get rid of the inflammation yeah. by activating the, the sigma-1 receptor. Right. And so what happened is that Angela Rearson uh, then had was reading that paper or had read that paper a year ago and, and thought, hmm, this, the, you know, what's killing people in COVID is not the virus itself. It's the inflammation. And so she sort of put two and two together. She said, ah, oh, you know, I read about this thing that could kill inflammation. I wonder if we could apply it to COVID and see if it worked. And so they created a grant application. And what they didn't know at the time was that there was also research that had, or, or there were observational studies that were done in France where in one of the Paris uh, psychiatric hospitals, they were noticing that the doctors were getting sick at a three times higher rate than the patients were. Oh, that's interesting. And so it was like, what the, what the heck's going on here? And of course it was that the patients were on SSRIs and the doctors won't, weren't, or the staff wasn't. And so, and then there was another study by Nicolas Hortel in, in France where he looked at all the French hospitals and he found that there was this huge effect for SSRIs, like 50% or better protection for any SSRI. And, and the, the SSRIs with the, the greatest sigma-1 activation had the greatest effect. Which is essentially Pro, Prozac and fluvoxamine. Yeah, Prozac and fluvoxamine, exactly. And That's then, right. And, and then Zoloft the least, right? Yeah. Uh, and things like Lexapro and uh, some of the dual agents. Yeah, sort of, sort of in the middle. Mixed, yeah, mixed. Uh, so very, very interesting. And so, and then you, was this the guy at the racetrack now, this whole story, was it, this just happened to go on at the same time or is this part of the same group? So, no, this is completely separate. So what happened was that the JAMA study came out on, on, uh, November 12th. Okay, so, so tell them, describe so they, they, The Wash U was published in JAMA. This is 100 milligrams three times a day, fluvoxamine, on a small number of patients, right? Relatively? Uh, 80, 80 patients yeah, got pretty, the drug, but yeah. all, very few got up to the 300 milligrams a day. Oh, interesting. I didn't, right? I didn't Most of them up. were like 200 or less. Okay, well, that's something and, we'll talk about. Okay. you know, the, the researchers are like saying, well, if the drug works, then the more drug, the merrier, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we'll cover the whole, we'll, we'll completely activate the yeah. sigma-1 receptor if we give them more drug, and why not they, if they can tolerate it? Well, you know, not necessarily the case, yeah. but um, so, yeah, they used a higher, they and use let, a super high dose. And let me put a qualifier out there. You sent me an article today about somebody that became manic and hypersexual. If you have bipolar disorder, be very careful with SSRIs. Be very careful. So that's right. The, exactly. Warning, warning, warning. Yeah. And and while you're on uh, fluvoxamine in particular, you want to avoid caffeine. Well, I got, I got a whole story with that too. I got to tell you that one too. Yeah. So you're so the caffeine. I got a lot of things to tell you. 
Okay. Yeah, caffeine half-life goes from five hours to th- uh, between 31 and 36 hours. Oh, really? So if you drink a cup of coffee, you're going to be wired. Nice. Love it. Like, my like, you know, you've never been wired before anyway. Uh, so back to the, um, uh, to, to November 12th. So this, uh, wash you study is published in the journal of American medical association. And, and it takes forever, right? Cause I knew the results on August 24th, but it's like, I could be yelling my head off and nobody would listen to me. Yeah. Right. Until it gets yeah. published, nobody believes you. Correct. It yeah. would pub, peer reviewed, published, and then and then, then sort of yeah, then reviewed become, by peers. You know, sort of t- in the in the conversation. He's got he's got to come up in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So so it it comes out in JAMA on November twelfth. I saw it. And, and it caught and, my attention. I'm sorry. I saw it and it caught my attention. Yeah. I saw, I saw yeah, it. In well, that I mean, journal. it had like, like 160,000 views. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And 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 the problem is that they cut out all of the references to the the previous science. So mm-hmm. the conclusion the editors said is, well, this is just a hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, that's bullshit because well, they, they sort of published it as a as a observational study. Like, oh, right. look what we observed. Something happened. Yes, oh, yeah. look at this. Yeah, Hello, yeah. you know, yeah. this is this yeah. is yeah. de novo. Yeah. And in fact, no, this is like yeah, this is kind of what we expected would happen. Right. So, and, so, so, you know, back so it to should the... have been, holy shit, you know, <laughs> we, we should uh, like stop everything and, and start using this. So until it's published, nothing happens. So it takes a long time for it to get published because you're, you're dealing with JAMA and they're saying, well, you know, fix this and fix this. And you go through many review cycles, but it finally comes out and it's the editors are commenting on, Hey, you know, we looked at 10,000 studies and this is the only one that, that we thought was worthy of publishing in JAMA. Yeah. And so that was good. Um, and th- so the same day that it comes out in JAMA, there's this massive outbreak of COVID at the Golden Gate Fields racetrack in Berkeley, just coincidentally on the exact same day. Mm. So it turns out that that evening, the pa- where the paper is published in JAMA, I am talking to the Harvard Business School group of Northern California. And I'm talking about fluvoxamine, right? Because the paper just came out. I could talk about it. And the host of that is Dr. David Seftel. Uh, you didn't tell, I didn't know this piece. I didn't know how, this, how you got linked with him. Yeah. Got it, got it, got and it. so this is like the perfect storm where he happens to be the track physician at Golden Gate Fields, which just happened to have a COVID outbreak on the same day. Wow. So it's, wow. it's like you couldn't have written you couldn't have scripted this any better i mean this is one of these true to life stories that is completely incredible and so he hears about fluvoxamine not because he read jama he hears about it on his own on on his you know zoom cast oh wow to the harvard business school so he thinks like hmm i got an outbreak and this thing looks like it's a hundred percent cure i'm gonna give it a try you know, so he's one of the, these guys who violates the rules that we just talked about. You know, the docs are sheep, docs are risk averse, yeah, yeah. docs don't like to take chances. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is great. Uh, and so he basically, I, I talked to him about it. I said, um, uh, let's, uh, we had some studies on the, the, uh, uh, the, the PK of the, the drug showing that, oh, you know, if we give a lower dose or you should give this high loading dose. And so we ended up thinking, oh, if we gave a hundred milligram 
twice a day uh, for the first day. And then it was 50 milligrams twice a day uh, from then on that that would, you know, get the drug into your system really fast. And uh, then it would continue to, to be at that level. Well, it turned out that the 100 milligrams twice a day is too much for people. I mean, mm. they get nausea. Mm-hmm. And especially you don't want to hit them with a with that kind of thing, even though, you know, from a um, uh, the, the, getting the drug in, into you, it's, it, you know, it makes sense. It, it really doesn't make sense from a side, fe- side effect point of view. So we just changed the dosing to 50 milligrams twice a day for 14 days. So really simple dose. It's a one third of the dose that you would use for OCD. And it's only for 14 days. So there's no chance of you're getting any sort of mental uh, effects uh, from this drug because right. it's too short a period and it's at one third the dose. And so that turned out to be extremely well tolerated. So I, and there was nobody in Ceftel's study that had any side effects at all. And I only know of one person anecdotally who, who on that dose had uh, just mild nausea the whole time. Um, but that's the exception. And so he had two groups, one that took the medicine, none of those got severe COVID or ended up hospitalized. Then a second group that resisted started getting hospitalized and came back to get the medicine, right? Yeah, there, it was a 12, 12.5% hospitalization slash death rate for those. Not treated, and, those not treated. Yeah, and, and also what was really significant is the, the COVID side effects. So after two weeks, none of the people who got the drug had any COVID symptoms. And 60% of the people who refused the drug had COVID symptoms, had one or more COVID symptoms. And it was like, I think it was 24% that had four or sorry, 29% had four or more symptoms. So there's this huge disparity. And that's because as soon as you take the drug, it's like putting water on a fire. The fire goes out and within three days, you're back to normal. And so if you basically catch the fire early, you're not going to have any of these long-term side effects. So it's really this fire analogy. I keep, you know, using it because it's, it's, it's really quite like a fire. You, you put the fire out early. You don't have any side effects. You don't have any long-term effects. And, and it's great. Well, now a lot of people have tried better help and the results have been rather astonishing. And whatever therapy is to you, that's what you can get out of BetterHelp. Tools to help with motivation, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, the usual mental health issues can be addressed. It's time to stop being ashamed of normal struggles and start feeling better. You deserve to be happy. And BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's on on your terms. It's more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It may or may not be for you, but it's worth looking into because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dr. Drew listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Dr. Drew. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash Dr. Drew. Well, aging actually begins in our cells, right? It's our cells that age, and then that's reflected on our on our macro self, on our body. But many aspects of our daily life can influence how well our trillions of cells perform and then ultimately how we age. 
age-associated cellular decline, or AACD. It's the time-related deterioration in the way our cells function as we age. It begins in our 40s and accelerates in our 60s. Over time, our cellular processes become less efficient, which can contribute to things like fatigue, reduced muscle strength, and impaired cellular defenses. To help address these changes, try incorporating nutrients that work on the cellular level. Try working them into your wellness routine. Celtrient Cellular Nutrient is a breakthrough range of nutritional products with cellular nutrients to target cellular performance. Celtrient is the first brand to provide a range of cellular nutrients, including nicotinamide riboside, something I take, urolithin A, I also take that too. Yep, glycine plus N-acetylcysteine. I take all of their products. They are excellent, and they combat key sources of AACD. Visit Celtrient.com for more info to find out which Celtrient products are right for you. Use the code DrDrew10 for a 10% discount. That is D-R-D-R-W-10, the number 10, for a 10% discount. Well, a leader in the CBD industry, Hemp Fusion, is committed to providing high-quality, THC-free CBD oil products. Whether your New Year's resolution is gunning for a raise or an Olympic gold medal, you need to stay at the top of your game. And with so many world-class professional athletes turning to Hemp Fusion, you can be sure you're getting safe, clean products from Hemp Fusion. From tinctures to topicals to capsules, they have something for everyone. Well, myself, it's the topicals. That's the big thing with the shoulder and elbow problems I have. I'm always using CBD topicals. My wife has used the tinctures for sleep. Works well. And to make it easier to accomplish your New Year's resolution, Hemp Fusion is offering our listeners 20% off your purchase when you use the promo code DREW, D-R-E-W. That's right, 20% off your purchase using the promo code DREW at checkout. Again, that's hempfusion.com, H-E-M-P-F-U-S-I-O-N, promo code DREW, 20% off your premium CBD oil products from Hemp Fusions, 20% off. Go do it now. Well, I I would argue that uh, my physician did have a similar approach when I was in the inflammatory phase of the illness, and and at that point was using dexamethasone and bamlanivimab, a monoclonal antibody, which worked. But lo and behold, I ended up, let's bring it to me now, uh, with all these long-hauler symptoms. And and the way the long-hauler stuff is getting broken down is essentially into kind of three categories. One is pulmonary, you know, shortness of breath and cough and sort of inflammatory interstitial disease. That, for me, has gotten better. The second is autonomic. People are, I, I, my pulse is like 97 all the time. That's never the case in real life, I mean, before COVID. Uh, so you're seeing sort of, postural symptoms and autonomic instability and people are using breathing techniques to try to improve that and then the third and the most disabling and and the thing that causes the most impairment is this neuro stuff which i can only characterize as feeling like i had a traumatic brain injury Uh, and when i described this to steve he was very enthusiastic i should get on fluvoxamine right away Uh, i'm not sure i'm inflammatory at this point Uh, i it might just be that this is the residual of the inflammation you know what i mean we don't really know what this is, really, at least in every single case, right? Yeah, so we don't have enough experience with long-term symptoms, right? It, it, it would have been better if you had taken the fluvoxamine yes. right when you yes, got that. Yes, of course, for had, sure. Had you known about it. For sure. You know, well, I knew about it, but yeah. I just I was busy with other things. I was doing other stuff. But you're right. Well, It's absolutely true. So, so next time you'll take my advice. Yeah, oh, I will. Uh, well, right now, <laughs> right now, I'm going to take my fluvoxamine. I'm taking 50 milligrams of fluvoxamine. The reason I'm taking it right now, we're recording this on uh, February 3rd at 2:30 in the afternoon, 
is I took it last night, and I'll tell you what happened afterwards. But one of the things that happened, and my doctor said, hey, take it once a day for the first couple of days. So this is my right. once-a-day dose. You, you recommended the same thing. Um, it really disrupted my sleep. It, it disrupted my sleep. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so I'm going to take my, my one dose today in the afternoon in hopes Earlier. of it. Yeah, see if it helps with my sleep. So here I go. Yeah. Right, no, right that's, that's true. And yeah. that's a known uh, side effect. So... Now I've just taken it, and let's see if this happens again, what happened to me last night. You're going to love this. So I took it last night, and 20 minutes later, the ringing in my ears stopped. It just went away. I've been dealing with severe tinnitus for six weeks, and it just it was just like stopped. I, I was stunned. Now, it came back over the course of about 12 hours. It seemed all the while to be better, uh, but it wasn't as like, just gone as it was uh, after the first 20 minutes, which was shocking to me. Um, right, because it had been consistent up until then. Oh, and just so, yeah, un- unending, so he, you know, ridiculous, like bad, especially right. that so time see, of day. So you'll late be able to see a cause and effect Yeah, especially late in the day. Late in the day is when it was always really bad, and this was like 9 o'clock at night I took this. So there was that. Then I had a kind of a fitful night, did not sleep well. Uh, melatonin, which I often take, didn't work the way it normally does, which was kind of interesting. It just didn't work. Um, yeah. So have you, um, uh, there's a drug ca- called, uh, mir- mirtazapine. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Re- re- um, Remeron. Yeah. Mirtazapine. Yeah. And so, um, if you take that along with a fluvoxamine, uh, that will counteract your, uh, mirtazapine is a funny medicine. It, it turns out that the less you take the better it is at inducing sleep. So you can take just a little bit to help. Yeah, well, same is true of, of melatonin, actually. Yeah, that's right. True. If you overdo the melatonin, yeah, goes uh, you know, and that's a mistake that a common mistake that people make is they, th- they think that more melatonin is better. Right. And it's actually, you want to get the right amount. That's right. If you get too much, it, it can disrupt your sleep. That's right. So let me keep telling you what I experienced, and you're going to, you're going to give me your um, interpretation. More, more dizziness, not less, which was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't, didn't bother me, but there was kind of more of that than I usually get. Uh, tinnitus, as I described, increased appetite, no nausea. Appetite was up. Uh, had a cup of coffee this morning, and it affected me normally. Nothing out of the ordinary with coffee at all for me. Uh, and then as the morning... And you knew about the coffee, right? I warned you. I know, and I was experimenting, and it had no yeah. un- unusual effect. I, the coffee was... I drank you know, a, a literally a fourth of what I would normally drink, but it was a, a normal cup of coffee for me. With yeah, the, okay. You know, um, now, maybe it's because it hasn't uh, hit you know steady state yet or maybe enough was out of my system by morning, having just been taking it at night. I don't know. But the other interesting thing that happened was uh, later this morning, my mood got bad. My mood sort of sunk in a, kind, of an, a, kind of an unusual way. I, w- I wouldn't even call it depression. It was just weird. It's like my mood was off. That's a, that may have been incidental. may have been the falling levels. I think, I think what I'm building towards is what should optimum dose be am i, am I finding that through all these symptoms I and mean, it's pretty clear yeah well, you, well you're day. you're you know you're n of one here yeah it's right it hasn't been tested so That's right so you're on the, the cutting edge but yep. but it's nice because you're a doctor yeah and so and i want to and and when i you know when my doctor and i decided to take it i said we both looked at each other and went this will be good we'll learn something we'll learn something exactly and so we'll i'm watching something. everything and i'm paying attention to everything and, and reporting yeah, it's either everything. going to make it better or it's going to make it worse well it made the tinnitus better i'll tell you what uh and that that was striking and that, and i thought to myself 
Hey, if that's all it does, I, I think that's I, might, fantastic. I might stay with it. Yeah, new indication uh, we've we've you know discovered right because right. I have tinnitus too, so I I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Um, and the other thing was how how long do we take this for? If if uh, well, you're a long hauler, I mean, do you have any? Well, idea? you don't know because right, you're breaking new ground here. Yeah, my friend. So I I I might try off after a couple of weeks, something like that, maybe three or four weeks. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're gonna you see what happens. You yeah. tape. I, 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 am, I have a deep respect for SSRI withdrawal, which I've seen some horrible situations with it. Not with this medicine, but I've seen it from other ones. Yeah. When you're taking a short course like that, there isn't a withdrawal problem. It's more yep. when you're taking this an SSRI for a long period of time. Okay. That you're gonna get withdrawal I can symptoms. tell you I'm feeling better now, just having taken my dose like five minutes ago. The same thing I've experienced last night. Now, my, my tennis is still there, but a lot less. Uh, it's only yeah, my right so ear. Yeah, so we'll uh, see. I mean, it takes takes a while to for the drug so, to act. So, so to me, what we're building towards here is I need to take this twice a day. And yeah, I'm, maybe yeah. If it works, I mean, if it works, then then you can experiment and you can go up and you can go down because you know you shouldn't assume that just because it works at one dose that double the dose is going to be. Well, it's not good. the double dose. It's I'm noticing the. Uh, pharmacology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the time constant. Yeah, sure. it's falling off, right. and I yeah, start feeling bad yeah. again. I'm like, I don't know if I'm feeling good. Yeah, and that's why we suggested twice 50 milligrams twice a day because that keeps the levels steady, steady. Uh, in your body consistent. Yeah. yeah. My only you know. issue is, you know, when I take that second dose because of sleep. I'm, I'm worried about yes. that. Yes. So, so if you add other metazapine. What, what if, then, have, let me suggest something else. What about 100 milligrams once a day? Like in the morning? Um, Anybody try Again, that? You know, you could, you could, you could try that, right? But then, then you're going to be, you know, then you're spiking the dose. I know. Right? So. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I but, even as I sit here, I'm, I've got a little dizziness that I didn't have before. This, this is this whatever this is that I'm getting. It may just be a side effect of the medicine, but I had nothing to do with COVID. The, yeah, just yeah. I mean, usually the, the that you know the 50 milligrams once a day that you're on is not going to be uh, is is not a big. Uh, no, it's you nothing. know people it's nothing. right. It's that is nothing compared to the 300 milligrams. A day that people will be on right. if they're for OCD. Right. The other interesting thing is, I, I, I can't subjectively, I can't describe any mental status changes. Like other than, other than my mood going down as I came off it, I'm not aware that my mood is going up. I'm not aware of any change in my anxiety or OCD type stuff, which I probably yeah. But to. you need to ask. This is why you need to ask Susan. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Mean? I know. I will. That's exactly right because she's the one that has seen some of the personality changes and stuff. Exactly. And, and the irritability. Yeah, so has she noticed anything? Uh, not really. She was kept asking me last night, are you, is it good? Is it good? You better? You better? You better? She, she just wants me to say I'm better. She, I, we'll see over the next day or two what she notices personality-wise. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah. So, I am, uh, Gary, I'm a guinea pig here. I'm an N of one. Um, but You're breaking I, new ground. But I must tell you, I'm having the same, this is familiar feeling I'm having right now that I had last night. Uh. And the tinnitus is, is even better. So it, it seems awfully fast, but that's, I don't know. That's maybe I'm. I'm well, we'll, we'll see. You know, you can't judge it on, on N of one and N of one. Right? Yeah, so yeah, N of one and N of one and 24 in hours. First day, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so let's, let's see how it goes and, uh, all right. And take and, it from there. And are there, are, so there's, there's fluvoxamine story. Are there other medicines that you are paying attention to now other than the SLV 213 and the Tempris 2? Um, yeah, so there are a bunch of drugs that are um, 
are pretty interesting. So let me um, let me pull up a list. But but before before I do that, just, just let me say a thing on 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 fluvoxamine because uh. uh, there's a story. Uh, there's a front page story on the LA Times today. And it may leave people with the impression that, well, you know, docs are like experimenting with this drug and we think it might work and so forth. Well, look, the, 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 I, I, I talk to the, to, to the docs that do this. I say, so what do you think the chances, right? Cause normally you have a phase two trial and you'll, if you try it in phase three, you get a 60% chance that you will get confirmed in a phase three. I mean, that's what the overall stats are. So that's why people say, oh, it's a phase two. Great. Well, you know, call me later when there's a phase three because it's like a 50-50 chance. Right. You just said that you have greater than 50-50 chance that, that it's going to be going to work out. Well, look, we this is not just a phase two trial. This is multiple phase two trials, both with 100% effect size and multiple observational studies all showing huge statistically significant effects. And we also... So have anecdotal data. Whenever we try this, whenever any doctor tries this, whenever any patient tries it, they all turn around within three days, and they all and, get and back you, to normal. You, you kind of have a crossover at any stage. You have a little bit of a crossover. Yeah, study. We, we, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we even had crossovers. You yeah. know, we had people failing, said, "Oh, I don't want the drug." And uh, and then they went to to Doctor Seftel and said, "Hey, change my mind. You know, this like it's not going very well." Right. And so even on those crossover patients, you know, they get turned around within three days. So it doesn't just stop progression; it reverses it, and people start to feel better in twenty four hours, and they're they're pretty much all back to normal in, within three days. Crazy. And so my advocacy for talking about fluvoxamine is not just based on the phase two trial; it's based on all these sources of data. And the chance of us being wrong is is about close to zero. You know, it's 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 kind of like gravity is more certain yeah. that that will work and yeah. gravity will work tomorrow. But you know, this is like you know <laughs> what you should quite- do. You should have somebody co- collate all that and do a meta analysis and then do a statistical model, just like you've described. Like, what's the probability that this isn't predictive of truth? Yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that, because, it, but it's so obvious to to me if you just look at all the studies, yeah. all of them have p values of you know point zero zero three and point yep. zero zero one, and and just in in just the two studies alone, it's point triple o, it's less than point triple o one, and so that's the that's the confidence that we have in vaccines yes and nobody questions vaccines right right? so it's almost like the meta-analysis would be like overkill i mean this data on the table is so incredible but the problem is that most physicians don't even take the time to look at the data i created a public data repository for people to go through the data. It would take hours to go through all the data, but it's all there for people to to look at. And so you don't have to trust me. You know, this is this is the data. It's out there um, from multiple sources. And so this fluvoxamine thing is the real deal. And the sooner people get on it uh, for COVID, uh, the uh, the better. And, and by the way, I thought the LA Times article, even though I, I understand what you're concerned about with it, it was an unusually good article, given the LA yes. Times. They, they, they seem to be trying to tell the story as it actually happened without superimposing their narrative on it. Yeah. Uh, and Steve Lopez did a, a phenomenal uh, job. He spent a lot of time uh, collecting the information. He talked to me. He talked to uh, the various doctors. He talked to uh, uh, Hortel in in France, 
And, uh, you know, he just did a, just a really, really thorough job uh, in writing that article. Yeah. I, I thought I, I read it and was sort of impressed because you, it's rare. The LA times is so uh, objective, which was nice. So other, <laughs> other, 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 no, other, he's a, he's a great, he's a, he's really a, a, a just a phenomenal uh, writer and just really, um, you know, so it's a really important uh, topic. And they, and they took he, you off did, YouTube. A good for, job. They took you off YouTube for talking about it, right? No, they didn't take me off of YouTube. They banned me from Medium um, <laughs> for life uh, because I said that fluvoxamine was 100% successful in preventing COVID, which it was. And and I asked them, um, you know, why they, they basically said at least. Uh, the nice thing about medium is they'll at least they give you specifics as to why they're taking you down. Yeah. I got YouTube with no explanation. YouTube says no explanation at all. It just says you violated our policy, you know, have a nice day. And when you appeal, it says, yeah, we looked at your appeal, but you violated our policy and have a nice day. Yeah. And I look at the policy. They sent me the policy. I, it's a million miles from anything I would say. Right. And you just can't figure it out. And it's very uh, frustrating. So with medium, what they did is they actually said, well, you stated that fluvoxamine was 100% successful and we find that that creates excessive risk. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> then you must know of a case where fluvoxamine has actually been detrimental. Or didn't work. Yeah, or it didn't work, right? Because then you would have been using it yeah. as opposed to something that did work and that would have put your life in jeopardy, right? presumably. Um, and so I asked them for an example of that and- they couldn't come up with anything. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Right. So anyway, so you asked about the other other drugs. Well, before we go to the other drugs, you yeah. you one point said to me that uh, long haulers might get worse on fluvoxamine. Is there somebody that's, that's reported that? No, it's just a theory. Okay. So this. Well, let, is, me, let me. Let me. I am definitely not worse. I am better <laughs> on it. Okay. As a long hauler. Yeah, and and so the theory. This is um, from uh, Fareed uh, Jalali. Uh, and he's kind of the world expert on on the mechanism of serotonin and platelets and serotonin released from platelets and SSRIs and and uh, ciproheptadine and and so forth. And so uh, he speculated that, and and nobody knows because it's all speculation about what happens with long haulers. Right. He speculated that if you're a long hauler, that the body may have actually overcompensated now. And that if you then give it an SSRI, you're actually moving things in the same direction that your body was moving. You kind of want to move things more back to normal and that you should be trying to pull things back to normal. And so have a, so he speculated that, Oh, if you do the uh, fluoxamine, you may make things worse. So that's, that was, that's the theory. Got it. And you're checking your 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 tinnitus. Well, I was just thinking to myself. I, I remember one of the thoughts I had last night was: Is the tinnitus less, or am I just not noticing it as much? But uh, we'll see. It's kind of, it's yeah. less. It's less. So yeah. So so other drugs that were um, that are promising, uh, some of which were investigating, and and others uh, were not. Uh, so the, I, ivermectin uh, is. I'll just give you the list. Yeah. Uh, just so you've. Uh, eh. Is it in that article that's on your Quora or whatever it is? Uh, you have that one. Page? Yeah, well, I have a yes. So so I have a uh, an answer to how do you treat COVID on right. on Quora? Yeah, uh, that's super popular. Uh, that has a list of all the drugs that have been shown to be effective. 
so this is more the list of drugs that we're kind of looking at that uh, may be effective. Okay. Uh, so I, as, as well as I'll, I'll add in the, the drugs that we know about. So ivermectin we know about as being um, very effective. I mean, you were on ivermectin. Um, not enough. Fortunately, not quite the right yeah, dose. Right. So you, you didn't have a, a complete effect. Yep. Um, uh, the uh, mirtazapine uh, may be something that we'll be looking into. The, the ciproheptadine uh, for late stage COVID. Uh, metformin, we're, we're looking at uh, combining metformin uh, with fluvoxamine early stage as being sort of complementary. Doxazosin is another uh, drug. It's used for uh, lowering blood pressure, uh, but it also lowers inflammation. Uh, phenofibrate, uh, people are looking at, at that, and that uh, can prevent uh, your lungs uh, from getting clogged up. Uh, disulfiram is one of the newest huh. things uh, that we're funding. And uh, don't drink alcohol uh, if, you're, if you're trying that drug. Well, you may be surprised how many people actually suffer from things like nausea and upset stomach. Nausea can be debilitating. And, uh, you know, I have many patients that have had chronic nausea. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it comes in waves. Sometimes it's triggered by certain things. Well, I have a new partner, Relief Band. It's the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband. I have patients that swear by wristbands, and this Relief Band is a great way to approach Nausea, clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and much more. It's 100% drug-free, so why not? Non-drowsy provides all-natural relief with zero side effects for as long as it's needed. I have some people that wear the wristbands. They still wear it years later. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now Relief Band is available to the masses. How it works is Relief Band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal to your brain that would tell you you're sick, that you need to throw up. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. Now, I'm telling you, I have patients that have used this, hospitals have used this. Uh, it doesn't work in all cases, and there are other things to be used as well, but this one is a no-brainer. There's no downside. Ensure nausea is never the reason you miss out on life's important moments. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer for our Dr. Drew listeners. If you go to reliefband.com, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D. Use the promo code DREW and you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. Well, now why not? Why not? Is zero side effects, completely safe, works a lot of the time, and you have a money-back guarantee. So head to ReliefBand, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use our promo code DREW for 20% off. Hey, everybody, you've heard me talk to Dr. Noel Reed, board-certified family medicine physician and consulting physician for Celtrian Cellular Nutrition. This is all stuff I'm actually rather interested in, which is preventing or delaying or improving the aging process, and that is what Celtrian is about. I, we, she and I have talked about the aesthetic issues that you know we all worry about, and but uh, that is all just a reflection of what's going on in our cells. It's the cells that become senescent and age, and today we're going to talk about Celtrian energy. Right, Dr. Reed? That's correct. And thanks for having me back, Dr. You bet. So energy, we all need it, right? <laughs> We're all looking for I need more. a lot. I need more now. <laughs> I know. I wish I could just add more hours a day so I get more done. 
But, you know, as we get older, our energy levels start to decline. Um, it's almost inevitable. And, you know, oftentimes we attribute it to things like busy schedule, you know, as I'm sure you and I both have busy mm-hmm. schedules, lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. All of those things um, do compound. But the, the decrease in energy could also be related to what's happening inside our cells. So there is an important molecule known as NAD. I think mm-hmm. you talked about this before, Doctor. Yes, uh, NAD, the, the literature on NAD, the attention to NAD, the therapeutics around NAD have been revolutionary in the last couple of years. So I'm glad that Celtrian has a product for this. And yes. by the way, the product, and by the way, this product is one I just happen to like and take. Very good. So NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. Big word people don't probably care about, but that's that's what NAD stands for. And it's actually found in all living cells. The reason that it's important, it plays a critical role in cell energy production. And it's also important for healthy mitochondrial function and cellular repair. Now, the thing is, as we get older, NAD declines and it can decline by as much as 50 percent by the time we get to our 40s. So between 40s and, and our 40s and 60s, NAD declines significantly. And so we need NAD to allow for cellular energy to produce, right? So we, for, for cellular energy production, um, we need the NAD at optimal levels because when that is not available, that may make us feel tired and our cells that are not producing optimal levels of energy. I think that sometimes, um, you know, we try to find quick fixes for energy, right? So getting those quick power naps, drinking caffeine, a lot of us drinking caffeine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are only giving us quick fixes. It's, there's no long-term benefit and it has no impact on NAD levels. And so that is why using cellular um, nutrients such as nicotinamide riboside, which is actually a B3 derivative, so a special form of niacin, can be helpful as a precursor for NAD. When it's supplemented, it helps to boost NAD which then helps to renew our cells' ability to really transform the food that we eat into an energy source that the cell can use. And in fact, studies have shown that nicotinamide riboside can increase NAD levels in as soon as two weeks after supplementing. Yeah, and NR is a game changer. And there's a ton of literature out there on that. And it's really one of the only ways to get uh, NAD levels up orally. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you hit the nail on the head again there. So nicotinamide riboside as a unique form of uh, niacin. It's not readily available from our diet. You mm-hmm. know, we maybe can get trace amounts from cow's milk, um, but you would have to consume an, ex- an extensive amount of cow's milk to get a very small amount uh, of NR and um, really not at a level that the clinical trials have shown uh, would be necessary to actually have an impact on mitochondrial function. So doing a supplement is really the better way to go. And, and there's real good evidence that NAD, it, as you mentioned, it does decline over our time here on the planet as we age, but it may be the key mediator of aging too. Maybe. Um, you know, th- this is really a game changer. Yep, um, nutrition is definitely um, an excellent tool to have in your toolbox because, you know, our – Proper nutrition exercise, we know, you know, that's the foundation of things right. in terms of having to age with grace. Yes. But um, having this extra tool, I think, is what will allow for us to really do better in terms of how we age and um, really experience the aging process a little bit easier, I think. Thank you, Dr. Reed. And if you'd like to find more information about the Celtriant products, visit Celtriant.com. 
and take a short quiz under the Find Your Celtrian tab to discover which Celtrian product fits your needs and use that code DrDrew10 at checkout and you will get a 10% discount. Again, it is Celtrian, C-E-L-L-T-R-I-E-N-T dot com, code DrDrew10 at checkout. Well, I got to tell you something. I've had at when about a, 10 days ago, uh, I had a glass of wine. I was already developing these long hauler symptoms. I was recovered from the acute phase. And alcohol affected me in ways that it had never had ever before. Mostly made me feel better, like markedly better. It was very strange. Uh, and, and as long as I had just a little bit, because uh, I tried it the next time, I drank a little more. I thought, oh, it's helping me. I'll use Then no. But as if I have just a little tiny, like a, a small glass of wine, striking, very similar to how the fluvoxamine is affecting me, actually, in terms of what it, how it made me feel. Yeah. That weird? So, uh, so we, we haven't explored, uh, I'd be honest, we have not explored alcohol as a you know, possible treatment. That may be a very popular one to enroll <laughs> sure. you know, the clinical trial. Uh, Maybe. In, Especially give yeah. them nice wines. Yeah. So Camus, that's another one. This SLV213 I talked about. And then there's this GS441524, which few people have heard about. And, and we think that can be uh, quite promising. Is that too. an antiviral also? Uh, yes. It's actually a, a precursor drug to when they make remdesivir. Oh. You have to make this GS441524 drug first. And we have a way to turn this thing into pill form. Oh. So it's a generic antiviral uh, nice. that will be um, effective for a broad class of RNA viruses. So, what, what do you expect to be the next sort of story that you will have enough research to be able to tell? Oh, um, you know, I think it's going to be the closest one will be uh, metformin and, and maybe doxazosin. Uh, where we can combine these drugs, and and it may be uh, the combination um, uh, uh, as well with uh, um, uh, uh, the 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 uh, mirtazapine. Oh, got it. Yeah, so. interesting. Well, listen. Uh, God bless you for doing all this work. Number one, I, I bet you, uh, two years ago you didn't think you were going to be doing this now. Uh, they were, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and and what else would you like people to know about? Where else shall we send people? What else? You know, I um, I collected all this information on on fluvoxamine on uh, a, a Google Drive. I put all these papers and stuff, and people can look at and they can look at the research uh, directly. Uh, and also, I kind of summarized it on my website, so personal websites. So it's S Kirsch S K I R S C H dot io and there are all sorts of things on there there are opinion pieces like this is silly you know we've had these drugs why aren't we using them the fda should grant an eua on fluvoxamine what are we waiting for you know the evidence is on i mean it's frustrating because the evidence is on the table um for fluvoxamine and as an engineer i look at it and i say holy moly you know it's an rct it's a real world evidence it's all you know these pieces and if you if you calculate the, if you use Bayes' theorem and you calculate the probability that this is wrong or it doesn't, it's not effective, it's like, it's like close to zero. And but, so but for I, us, I you ought to, to be, for, to, for the FDA not to be rushing into I get it. Uh, saying, 
Yeah. You, you got to publish it's, it's that. It's crazy. You need to publish that Bayesian analysis. Um, yeah. But, I mean, to me, it's so obvious, right? You could just do it in I, your I head. Know, but trust me, right? until, it's, until it's somebody like says. 0.01 times 0.01 times 0.01. They're independent tests. I know. Until somebody says this is a this is a viable i mean if you could do a cochrane analysis that that took this on it'd be, right. it'd be you know i should probably i should reach out to uh, to th- the problem is that these cochrane analysis only like to do it on yes if it's on phase 2 and phase 3 trials then we'll take the meta analysis of the phase 3 trials but if you take a meta analysis of something less than that then people tend to dismiss it as right. well garbage in garbage out right, and therefore right, it really doesn't mean true. anything because these weren't randomized controlled trials and but maybe you can so find a, so, a really well-known mathematician or statistical specialist or something who could build a model that they yeah, would like yeah i'd say that's a good idea yeah. well uh, let me um uh, let me think about pursuing that and see what um i know a, i know a great biostatistics person at john hopkins there i could talk go. to you about that so yeah so anyway this information is collected on my website um, there's a lot there i would I, I spent a little time on your website it's skirsch k-r-s-c-h dot i-o uh i think that how do you treat COVID is one of the best articles on sort of what's out there right now i mean it, it's easy to read it's any, anybody could understand it and this is the core uh, you're talking about the core article which is on skirsch.io, right? It's like the second article. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I put a copy of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's also on Quora, but I yeah. put a copy on my uh, on, on my homepage. Right. Uh, and, and it talks about all the different drugs and uh, why you would take this drug and yeah. the advantages of each and the dosings and so forth. So, you know, I try to put it together for my friends, uh, you know, saying, and I have to do it in the context of what I would do if I was uh, diagnosed with COVID. Yeah, because you don't want to be giving out medical advice because otherwise they shut you down. Right, and, and I I was thinking about it because I, I get this question all the time. What did you take? What did you take? And and I could point at that article. Uh, things are reviewed in that article that you could then that I took a lot of the stuff in that article, including now the fluvoxamine, and you can go take that to your doctor and discuss it with him or her um, because people don't know quite how to approach what the treatment options are with their physicians. And that's a yeah, really important thing. Yeah, right and, and most physicians, you know, just look at the CDC guidelines. And the unfortunate thing is those CDC guidelines are just, I mean, they only put the stuff that is like the highest quality truth on it. And anything that, that's a little bit less is, is seen as, or is deemed as, well, we're not making an opinion on it. Right. And, and, and that's, yeah, that's what the CD, to be fair, that is what the CDC is supposed to do. That's what they've always done. They're the most conservative. They're holding the highest standards. I, I get it. What the practitioner is supposed to do is make a good judgment for that given individual in that moment of time in that clinical right. setting. And that often includes imp- improvising. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, so I wrote this article on, it was an op-ed on why the, uh, the FDA should give an EUA for fluvoxamine immediately. And at the very end of the article, I use, uh, I'm making an, an, an example and I say, look, if a gunman walks up to me and is about to pull the trigger and someone hands me a bulletproof vest and they say that they've tried it in the lab five times and it worked every single time yeah. and he urges me to put it on, I would not say, no, I'll wait for more data. Yeah. 
I, w- I need I need uh, double blinded control trials right, right. on that. No, no. If you know, if it's kind of like, like this multiple choice intelligence test, yeah. right? So if you 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 either do you either say A, yes, give me the vest, I will put it on. It's better than nothing. Or do you say B? No, I'll wait for more data. And if you say B, I'll wait for more data. You have a job at the FDA and right. at the NIH <laughs> guidelines. And if you, know, you survive the shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll go, but you'll go right to the head of the class. Right, right. On that, exactly. with with a response like that. Ugh, you know? that, that's a, such a great uh, analogy of how it how it works. And I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned about how we're training physicians. I'm concerned about it there, or, or how we're maybe not the training, maybe it's the employee and, and how they're, you know, being mandated. For, you don't need why even have doctors if you have just clinical guidelines. And you don't need physicians yeah. if you just yeah. Have you know, clinical I think pathways. The, the thing it. is that that all these systems work fine when you're not in a pandemic, right? Right. right, but we just haven't adjusted things for the pandemic. And when we tried to adjust, like we lowered the bar for hydroxychloroquine, and then it jumped right over the bar. And then we said, "Oh shit, let's put the bar back up." Yeah. And then we put the bar back up to pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. And that's been a kind of a huge mistake because yeah. we overreacted. That's exactly right. right. We should have just put it back to where it was lower. I, I, I would argue it even went a little higher than normal. Yeah, Strangely. yeah, we basically compounded Strangely. the error. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for spending a little time with me. I think people will find this conversation very, very interesting. Uh, again, it's skirsch.io to find out more information. And uh, maybe as this moves along, I'll check back in with you. We can see what your latest research yeah, is. In and, a couple, and I'll check back in with you too. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted on how this goes. I, I, I'm having some kind of a positive response. I wouldn't say it's market, but it's... Right direction. Let's give it. Let's give it a few days and see what yeah, we'll, and yeah. we'll see what happens. I'll okay, be. awesome. Thanks, Steve. We'll see. You Great. All thank time. you. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Doctor Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Doctor Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com support for this podcast comes from pluto tv need an escape drop into pluto tv for a world of free tv stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free yeah free no subscriptions no fees Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.